sit back, relax, and enjoy the warm sounds of the Beer Engine podcast with Griff and Tony. Okay, you can speak now, Brian. You're you're the one doing the hosting. Oh. What you want me to start? Oh, okay, absolutely. Uh, hey, this is this is the uh, uh, this is your show. I'm I'm just uh, I thought I was just sitting in the guest seat. Uh, hey, everybody, this is from what I understand the Beer Engine podcast. It is with your host with your host Tony, although clearly not your host at all. Uh, and then I uh, filling in for. Uh, for Griff, who the dude never left his house in five and a half months, then he gets like one taste of freedom at an outdoor like beer garden, and you can't keep that fucking guy inside now. So he's gone. So my name's Brian, and I'm going to fill in, apparently as the primary host of this show. <laughs> uh, and as my first order of business as the new host, and I don't want to make every one of my appearances about this, but... Uh, I demand a new intro without Liam. (laughs) We can play other sounds. We've got other sounds. We've got um, like some not just generic sounds. We've got uh, Griff talking about beer news. And then we've got the fan favourite, Pastry Bot. This is Griff's (laughs) favourite. How can you not love our sound effects? We don't need to go with an intro, especially if you're demanding Liam off the show. Uh, Did you, maybe I've asked you, did you pay him for this or did he do this for free? He did this for free. And remember I burned him mercilessly after we spoke about this and made fun of his appearance, even though this is coming from me, who is a mess of a human being. And I I still, I was, uh, I was into that. And listen, I like Liam. That's, this is the sad part of the whole thing. I think he's a fine person, but it's uh, it just bothers me to no end that he is he is the voice essentially of this podcast that I have nothing to do with. But it just bothers me. Uh, anyway, so uh, thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me to to sit in. Um, I'm going to tell you right now if uh, if peep if your if your listeners are waiting for some hard hitting beer news, they ain't going to get it from me. No, no be no be dork. Oh, I can't even remember how to say it. But uh, no be news from you. Although I am am drinking a cocktail, so uh, I still like alcohol. But uh, there, there'll be no beer news for me. Well, we always do a re- review of what Griff's drinking because it's eleven o'clock in the morning here for me. A little early sure. for a cocktail or even a beer. Um, tell us what you're drinking, and then then give yourself a score because I'm sure you actually created this cocktail. So it's I, I I definitely mixed it, but uh, it is not my creation. It is uh, I am drinking a Vesper, which, if you're not familiar, is a it's a martini with both gin and vodka. Um, hmm. I, yeah, so it's really it hits all the alcoholic buttons. Uh, I am not a gin guy. It's uh, it's it, I'm not really into it, but. Um, Lately, I've been just kind of trying to ease my way into the whole gin world. Um, my wife got like this fancy bottle of gin from her work. So I've uh, free liquor is my favorite liquor. So I have been trying to figure it out. What, uh, what the, this cocktail specifically makes me think of, though, is the name. 
Vesper. The uh, the first time I met one of uh, one of our old uh, uh, listeners and uh, and a friend, uh, E Double A, who who you know, I do. Um, he invited uh, Phobes and I to the Vesper Bar at uh, the Cosmopolitan. And at that point in my life, I was not a cocktail guy at all. Like I didn't, I, I didn't like, I, uh, I was like, a, I would do a vodka soda or like a, a rum and Coke. Like that was that, that, that was my speed. And so of course I'm at the, I go to this bar and they give you this fancy menu and I haven't heard of any of the shit on there. And I'm, you know, being a dick. Cause that's, that's how you that roll. was kind of my, was kind of my thing then. it's a little bit now but back then i was just uh it was merciless and i'm just making fun of him how, how bougie he is wanting to go to this fancy cocktail bar and he's talking about how he makes craft cocktails at home and i'm like what a fucking loser <laughs> and now like fast forward i i can't i can't do anything it's uh when i want to when i want to drink it's a it's a five or six minute uh, uh, hold on it while I while I craft cocktails, something obnoxious from my bar. <laughs> well, that's that's the question I was going to ask you was specifically about craft because beer, of course, has gone through the word that we all hate in the beer world now, which is craft. And the cocktail world, at least in Australia, is seeing a resurgence in in smaller batch, um, more highly priced and. Because of that, hopefully better crafted um, spirits. Are you seeing that in America? And are you aboard that craft cocktail train? Yeah, so it's definitely becoming a thing here. You know, that when we used to do TAI, we would talk about how there would always be these phases, right? So, like, boutique burger restaurants were huge, where you would just pay way too much money for burgers. And then cupcakes. Especially in your hometown. Big time. With both of those things. Big time, yeah. And so there's always been these things. But I would definitely say in the last three to four years, like, the cocktail bar, and, and this has existed uh, in other places far longer, but the whole like cocktail scene has really become a big, a big deal here. And, you know, I, I'm, th- it's the same thing with me always. Right. Which is I, I love, I love the result. I just don't <laughs> like the pageantry. Right. So yeah, I love it. Like, I, listen, I'll throw, I'll, I'll, I'll spend too much money on a cocktail. Of course. Uh, and I want to, and I want you to make it seem like you're putting a little bit of effort into it, but I don't need you to have a twisty mustache. I don't need you to be wearing like uh, some kind of an overalls or something like that. I don't, uh, uh, you don't have to set fire to the lemon rind or whatever. Like, but come on, it's just, just get, get to the fucking point. Uh, and, and that's, yeah. So yes, I'm into it, but enough, enough with the pageantry already. So you're not into flair bartending, but you're like a good, Old-fashioned, conversational bartender, but with good ingredients. Yes, exactly. Spend a couple minutes making it, but don't, you know, uh, you, you've, I don't know if you've been to those places where like, of course. they just have like these weird, these weird bottles on like clear bottles on the wall where clearly they're like distilling their own bitters and shit. Like, I'm like, come on, man. Like, this is, enough's enough. Just, just make it. So... Do you search out those quality ingredients or are you just going to 
What's a liquor store in Vegas? Lee's Liquor? Is that a Vegas liquor store? Lee's Discount Liquors. I'm I'm big on Lee's Discount Liquor. So there's actually a really good one really close to my house uh, called Corey's. Uh, And uh, it's it's a good mix. Again, so I'm... I don't have a good enough palate. Same thing with me and wine and with beer also, I'm, I'm sure, which is I don't have the kind of palate that can really tell the difference. Like I will never spend, uh, you know, whatever, $100 on a bottle of bourbon because to me, a $100 bottle of bourbon is going to taste an awful lot like a $40 bottle of bourbon. But I will spend 40 instead of 10 because that is that is a, a a difference that I can taste. You know what I'm saying? So I'm I'm good at mid level, but you can't really sell me on something too crazy. So is it just with cocktails, or have you tried it with with other things in the alcohol world? Have you you tried sort of the craft seltzer? Because I know you're not a beer guy, so I, I'm sure you've tried it with the beer, and perhaps it's not been to your liking. But have you tried it with other things like the premixed? drinks in stores that are not um, your, your $2 varieties? So I will actually give, uh, there is a canned cocktail that I will give a full-on endorsement to. Is this another uh, ad for Bud Light yeah. Celsi? Because we know our good friend Griff it's, it's, is hard on the Budweiser uh, Celsi train. He talks about it so much that it makes me think he went behind your back, got a, like a like a sponsorship deal. A guy that is such a beer snob can't stop talking about Bud Light Seltzer. It's just strange. Um, so I, this is not going to be one of the seltzer uh, drinks. I'll just tell you that right now. It's so not a seltzer-related drink. Not even a Natter Days. I thought you might have been on the Natter Days train, which is, of course, the Natty Light version of the salsa i think i mentioned it last time like i think these things have a uh have a place in the world uh last year uh we went on a little family vacation uh to big bear lake in california and we brought like a case of truly uh you know those flavored seltzer alcohol drinks and it just for the vibe it just made sense you're outside you're by water you're crack you can drink so many of them they're refreshing like in the daytime, you don't feel that shitty about yourself if you crack one at, you know, 1030. Yeah, you can so trick yourself into have, thinking you're, you're being a, a responsible human being. Right, right. And then eventually you have suddenly you're drunk and you're like, well, what the fuck happened? Uh, but so I'm, I'm not big on them, but they're, they're fine. I, I think they have a, a place in the world. But there is actually a canned cocktail. Uh, and it's and it's really good. It's uh, it's called. Um, it's called Rock and Rye, and they come in like little terrible like terrible name. That's yeah, a bad name, but uh, they come in these uh, little like uh, two ounce cans essentially, and it's like an old fashioned in a can. You just pop the top, pour it over, uh, you know, uh, a couple ice cubes. Uh, you know, throw if you're fancy and you, you want to feel good about yourself. You throw a little garnish in there, and uh, and you just yeah, you got yourself an old fashioned with none of the work. It's a little sweeter than I like my old fashions because I overserve myself on the <laughs> liquor part of it. But uh, it's it actually tastes pretty good. If you have it in your area, I recommend it. They're usually just like a you know three or four bucks, and uh, and and they're 
they're they're good. They are very serviceable, old fashioned, with none of the effort. Well, question: Are you into like the big single ice cube, or are you an old fashioned guy where you'll go with three, four, five ice cubes in a drink, or is it cocktail specific? So yeah, so I uh, a couple years ago when I started when this started to become my hobby, you know what hobbies are like. Uh, so I got uh, uh, I got one of those big like ice trays. It's like a big, like rubber, I, you know, with big fat square ice cubes. And that's what I use for most of my cocktails. But I have a, uh, a buddy who is um, into ice sculpture. It's like his job actually. And he brought over, I don't know how he did this, but uh, he brought over a, like a pack of 12 of the round ice cubes and they were crystal clear because when you do ice, ice sculpture, you use like whatever distilled waters, you know, it's got to be clear. No one wants a weird cloudy ice sculpture. So I have to admit that I want one of like the sphere ice makers. And if I get one, I'm going to like <laughs> literally be using bottled water in it and I'm going to hate myself. So don't bother like texting me shitty things. I'm going to know it's shitty, but I am... Uh, chasing one pretty hard. This is a shock to me because you were always against the round ice cube. Didn't you and Phobes go to a whiskey tasting where this device was on offer and didn't you shit on it for a good hour? Of course. But now, to be fair, the one Phobes wanted was this, like, $1,200 brass like thing where you put a block of ice in it and then you close it. And then like, you know, the weight of the machine slowly turned and turned like a square ice chunk into a sphere. So that one was a little bit more ridiculous, but yeah, listen, fuck Tony, I'm get it. Like I'm not, I'm not happy. I'm not bragging about the man I've become. I'm telling you like, this is what happens. I, uh, I do have to say, I, I do in a large way, blame children. Because when you uh, when you don't get out very much, you have to find ways to like make your home situation a little bit more, you know, like going out a little bit more special. And this is kind of what's happened. And then you throw a quarantine into it, and it's really amped up, like in a in a very very fast way over the last six months. Now you. you- as you've mentioned, you're not a single man. Has your wife bought into this hot co- co- cocktail hobby? I know she enjoys a beverage from time to time, but um, does she enjoy having these cocktails made for her or is it just a solo hobby that you enjoy by yourself? So um, every now and then, she's, she's, she is very much a wine drinker. That is, that is her beverage of choice. Um, every now and then, you know, she – because – you know, just of the calorie intake and she's a more health conscious person. Like she'll sometimes um, go the cocktail route, but she's one or the other. Like if, if she, if she just wants to drink and not a lot of calories, she'll go fucking, she'll raw dog it. She'll do (laughs) either tequila or, or vodka straight on the rocks. That's it. Um, she's gonna if she's gonna go the whole cocktail route and there's gonna be calories involved then she might as well fucking just get a glass of wine which is what she usually does so she's not really into it i think she likes that i do it because it makes her feel a little bit better because uh 
like she she I drink I'll I'll have a drink every day, but it's usually just one, maybe two. But if she cracks a bottle of wine, there's a good chance we're not recorking <laughs> that bottle of wine, right? So so I uh, I think that she likes that uh, that that I that I make uh, that I make cocktails. It, it makes her feel like okay, I'm uh, I'm back on you know I can do this and uh, I don't have to feel weird about it. I feel like you're growing up as somebody that has been the enabler on your poor behaviour for years. I feel like you're now turning into that enabler for your wife. You are growing up. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> Listen, I'm trying. Uh, I. Uh, I- if we can, if we could talk about now, you and I, I'm, I got, I got about a year on you, but we're both in our forties, right? At this point. We sure are. Yeah. Yes. So there, uh, that was a, that was a big, for me, that was a big transition. I don't know if you felt it at all. But I, to me. I literally fell apart for, at 40. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with uh, what <laughs> turning 40 is like. So I uh, like, 40 to me, that's a fucking adult. I, like I was a very immature, I was very immature in my twenties. And then that carried over into at least half of my thirties, if not more. At least. Yeah. Then I started to slowly get my shit together. And then you turn 40 and you're like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like this is, I am, I am in the thick of adulthood. I really should have my shit together more than I do. I have children. I'm going to be 50 is the next milestone is fucking 50, a half of a century. So that one, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't really give a shit about my 30th birthday. It didn't do anything for me, but 40 scared the crap out of me. And, uh, and it's uh, it, like, I feel like I've been doing a series of like adult things and um it's it's starting to catch up to me well see as i mentioned my life fell apart at 40 are you still fire, firing on all cylinders or did well, you tell me a little bit about what what falling apart means because maybe maybe i have fallen apart but i'm in denial so what is give me a couple of examples of what falling apart is like well uh type 2 diabetes would be perhaps one of the big one, because okay. that happened right on 40. Okay. Um, my body, which isn't in great shape, is constantly in pain. Like, I don't mean, oh, yeah. the occasional aches and pains. No, I go to bed in pain, I wake up in pain, and then I put my body through pain all day. Those would be two key examples. And have you seen a photo of me lately? How much hair have I got going on? Like, I've got okay. plenty going on around the face. I've got plenty going on around the side of the head. But there's a reason why you always see me in a cap these days. There's nothing on top. I'm not ashamed. I'm just afraid of getting sunburnt. Hear that? So I, I am not diabetic. Although I mean, really, you're pretty it's close. Just a matter of time. Yeah. I mean, we're on our way. Uh, in fact, I uh, so this year when I went to get my my annual physical, right? I go and I get my lab work, and uh, and then I, I'm meeting with the doctor. And he's like, uh, you know, pretty much all your labs look good. And he, he said it like this. He's like, you're not diabetic. You're not even pre-diabetic. He said it like that, like with surprise in his voice. He's like, I got to tell you the truth. I assumed that you were pre-diabetic. Uh, but uh, I mean, it's only a matter of time. Um, I will. So I'm not there, but I will say right now, as we as we sit here, 
I am, I, I'm drinking my cocktail and I just had a bunch of ibuprofen because my lower back is in agony. Now, uh, the way I got it was I woke up with it. <laughs> so somehow you, uh, you've heard of sleep, right? The world's most relaxing activity. Well, at some point doing, doing that, doing, doing the, the most relaxing thing on the planet I I hurt myself so bad that I have to medicate at least twice a day just to fucking get through it. Well, my question is, once you get to 40, is there any other way of injuring your back other than sleep? Because I've done it, I think, three times this year where I've gone to bed without a back injury, woken up the next day and can barely move. I mean, yeah, of course. I, I'm not. I'm not uh, doing CrossFit. Uh, we we have uh, we have like a little home gym when when everything shut down again. My wife, who's a healthy person, freaked out because she had just started like really getting into the gym in a pretty serious way. So uh, she freaked out that everything was closed, and she ordered. She purchased some gym equipment. So now we have like two exercise bikes. We've got an elliptical. We've got a bench with some weights. So there's no excuse. So I, I do exercise, but only in the most literal sense of the word exercise. Like I, I get out there and I, and I move my body in, in a very non-strenuous way. Um, I mainly sweat because I live in Las Vegas and all the stuff's in the garage so it's fucking hot. That's the only reason I get a sweat going. But I, I can say a hundred percent. None of these injuries are like workout related for sure. Cause I'm just not working out hard enough for that to be the case. Well, I, I know that um, you um, are not really an organized sports guy, but has this encouraged you with your little bit of gym work that you've been doing to get involved in any sort of organized sport, like maybe some of that paddle tennis that you've spoken about on different shows that we've done over time. I could, I could imagine you now. At, yes. I could imagine you doing that at, at, at 40 plus. Maybe I, I will say for my 42nd birthday, which I just had uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, I asked for and re- received a softball mitt. Now, I haven't, I haven't taken the next step to do any kind of research, but a part of me is considering joining like a 40 and over softball league. Here is my problem. I need to know what kind of 40 and over people we're talking about. Okay. Cause I have no desire to be fucking around in a league. with like these super dads the fucking, you know, mid forties CrossFit dads. Like that's not my jam at all, but you want to get me in on like a fat guy league that would interest me. So say if Johnny so Forex was playing, just need, would you want to be part of that league? So Johnny four, I would be in a Johnny four league, but he would have to be like the elite athlete. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he's got to be that top end player in the league. And then I could be okay with it. But a whole league full of him and, and better? Absolutely not. No, 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 no. Well, what's different between a softball mitt? This is coming from an Australian who, who knows there, there is a difference between the two games but doesn't know the specifics of what's different. What's the difference between a softball mitt and a baseball mitt? 
literally the only thing is that a softball is considerably larger. So, so the, larger po- the, the, po- the pocket of the glove has to be bigger. It, that's, that's the extent of it. Okay. Now, and to be honest with you, I think it's just a baseball mitt. If we're, if we're being honest, <laughs> it looks, it looks exactly like an infielder's glove, but I don't know. So have you got the elastic bands on it trying to break that sucker in? Are you walking around the ham with a ball did. in your hand? I actually do. There was something I haven't. the the last The last mitt I had was a mitt that I played little league with when I was maybe twelve or 13, junior high age. That was the last time I played organized baseball. That's the last time I owned a mitt, and I had that mitt until we moved to this house that we're currently living in. And I am ninety nine percent sure. My wife saw it and said, I'm throwing this piece of shit in the garbage can. It was a, it was a, a Chris Sabo signature series. <laughs> Chris Sabo, for Chris, those of you. Chris Sabo. Yeah, he, uh, he was not a famous player at all. So I don't know how he got himself like a mitt. He was an all-star one time and that was the year I bought the mitt, but he played for the Reds. And the only reason he is famous at all is because one time he was at bat swung and hit the ball and it, he broke the bat his bat shattered and cork flew out of the bat that's how he got caught corking his bat bat shattered and cork flew everywhere uh and that was the pretty much the end of his career he became a joke after that uh and i had his glove that was the last mid i had until the one i just got two weeks ago <laughs> so you, you you're seriously thinking about taking up softball now are you an infielder or an outfielder or a pitcher or, or what do you, do you have a position in mind? At this point, like, again, talking about getting older, like I have dislocated uh, the, the, the years I spent being a fat kid, but liking sports did a number on my body. So like my knees aren't great. And, uh, and my, uh, one of my shoulders has been dislocated like four times. So at this point I would, I could pretty much only play pitcher, catcher, first base, second base. I can't make a throw from any other position. Uh, and I'm not running, I'm not fucking running down a, uh, a fly ball in the outfield. That's for sure. So I'm down to four places I can play. That's another reason I need to get some Intel on who's around, <laughs> like who else is on the team. Because uh, yeah, if, if you if you have any uh, uh, you know delusions of me playing something other than those four positions, you are completely wrong. I I can't throw from third to first a hundred percent. I uh, we're not even going to pretend I can. So if you needed to make a throw that long for whatever reason, if you're on first and there's somebody heading to third, if you're playing first, would you break down and throw it underarm at this point to save your shoulder? <laughs> I would not, I would, I would about a 90% chance. I would just try to bounce it like, but on purpose. <laughs> so I'm not trying to make it and it falls short. Like I would try and throw it like halfway and get a sick ass bounce off the mound. <laughs> like, is it, is it embarrassing to use a cutoff man? Like, can I throw it to the pitcher and then let him do it? Uh, uh, one of those two would be my move. Can I tell you the, few times at school we had to play baseball, softball, or t-ball. Those sports I really struggled at because I had to play when we were on no defense. Shit, Tony. Of course you did. Well, uh, I mean, 
to be to be fair, you only have really good use of one arm. I know. So and, I'm guessing, and that's the problem. Do I put the mitt on the bad hand and it's still useless, or do I I play barehanded? I had teachers that forced me to put that mitt on. Which hand do I put it on? Do I put it on the good hand, actually use the mitt, then then toss the mitt and then throw the ball? Do I try and throw out of the mitt? How do I play this fucking sport one-handed? <laughs> That's not great. I got to admit, it's not great. You didn't have a lot of good chance of, uh, choices, although there, the, the Yankees famously had a pitcher, Jim Abbott, uh, who only had one hand. And But even that, even he had a little bit more of a situation than you did because he had a stump. His arm was fine. Yep. He just had no hand. So he would like, he would put the, the mitt, like his, his nub would go in the, you know, in the, where the ball goes in his mitt. And then he would wind up and he would throw and then he would super fast shove his hand into the mitt and then he could field if he had to. So that was his move. But you actually didn't, you didn't even really have that option no. to be honest. No, it was a disaster. And, and, other than maybe field hockey, I don't know if you're familiar with that sport. It's kind of like ice hockey, but on grass. Um, yeah. I was a disaster at that sport as well. They were my two most terrible sports because I could normally hang with like the people that were terrible at sports. I was good enough to be that bad. But with these two sports, I was right down the bottom with nobody in my class. Sure. Oh, understandable. Uh I, I, the problem with me is I didn't have like a disability. I was, <laughs> I was just like a, a, a not coordinated fat kid. And that's, that's the extent of it. So, uh, you were better off than me. Cause you know, you at least could be like, yeah, well, what do you fucking expect you guys? Like, come on, <laughs> I've had, a, I've had a stroke, leave me alone. Uh, so anyway, um, but so, so that's where I am sports wise. We'll see. Um, what are your chances? But I'm also, if you had to set yourself a number of percentage chances of this going ahead, are you 90% chance of joining the league? Are you 50% chance of oh, joining a league? Right now I'm giving it a 33 and a third percent chance. There's a, yeah, about a, there's, yeah, about one third of me wants to like really join a league. Uh, another third of me, flat out just doesn't even want to get involved. And then the third in the middle, that's the, that's the undecided vote. That's the part of me that would join a league, but I just like, I need to know more about it. It's got to be the right circumstances. So it's all, it's all in how that middle third, uh, you know, decides to go much like this uh, train wreck of a, uh, of an election we have coming up in this country. It's all about how that middle third decides, decides it's going to sway. Well, how do you think they were swayed on the debate that, that took place yesterday, as we're recording, this will be released later, but it only took place, what, 18 hours ago at this point. Here's here's what I'm going to say about it. First of all, it was was just an absolute embarrassment across the board. Um, I promise I'll bring this back around to politics, but uh, have you watched any of Cobra Kai on Netflix? No, I have not watched some of Cobra Kai. I've watched it all. Me too. Me too. I watched it immediately. Uh, so for those of you who haven't watched it, uh, you may or may not know this, but like 40 years ago, uh, the, uh, the local Los Angeles area under 18 karate tournament scene for boys was fucking, it was super intense. Right. And you're probably thinking, well, maybe, but, 
uh, certainly any beef that anybody had is long since solved, Absolutely. like in the mid eighties. But you would think, but you're wrong. You're comp- you would be so wrong. Nobody's moved on. Everybody's still mad about it, uh, and uh, they're uh, they want revenge. But the twist is that everybody is sixty years old. Uh, so that's what I felt like watching this. Like I felt like I was watching two men who at one time at, as boys had a rivalry. They just never got past it. And here they were as old men still fighting like children about it. There yep. wasn't a debate. Like, there was no actual like, hmm, well, here's my stance on this issue. And the other one's like, interesting. But I feel that there was no, that's what a debate is. This wasn't that. This was two <laughs> fucking old men just like calling each other names. It was just this, this horrible. But again, it's like, it's, it, it's the president's fault. That's what he has turned everything into. He has spent four years more if you count like him running you know for president the first time just basically doing nothing but calling people names and like coming up with wacky nicknames for people <laughs> like this is now what we have become is just this this complete mess okay uh, and uh, it's it's not it's not a it's not a high point out of our two protagonists who do they match up with on the cobra kai um cast is is Biden so, Ralph Ralph Macchio? Because he's he's an asshole, but is he is he is he the good guy? I'm not sure whether he is in Cobra Kai because Ralph Macchio p- plays a dick. Um, or is Donald Trump crease? That's you know what this is actually that's a that's a solid question because your immediate reaction is well clearly, uh, uh Trump is is Johnny, and. And and uh, Biden is Machio, because Trump has been such an asshole for such a long period of time. But you kind of like take a step back and you look at it. You're right. In Cobra Kai, Machio, kind of an asshole, super rich, never uh, lets anything go. Yep, it doesn't let anything go. Super petty, conceited about it. Petty. You're exactly right. I like. his kids are. He just blow my mind. Is is fucking is, <laughs> is, is Trump Machio? Is Trump Danielson? Oh my god! I think Trump is Danielson. You you might have just fucking blown my whole mind right now, but I think you're right. I think I think that Trump is Daniel Larusso. <laughs> oh wow, that's tough. Uh, how how good is that show? Like, as bad as it is, it is so good, right? The music is spot on. It's terrible music, but it's spot on. I feel like they should play some Night Ranger. I haven't heard any Night Ranger in there. That's my only disappointment. We need mm. some Sister Christian. You know I'm a fan. Uh, but, you know, you're right. It's You know what it is? It's the exact perfect show for guys our age. Like, it gives you everything you want it's all of the nostalgia all the music like it it feels like a bad 80s movie yes it knows it's bad too yeah as opposed to like i don't know if you saw the new bill and ted movie which is just bad it gives you none (laughs) of the nostalgia it's just not very good uh but this is so yeah it's so good like you just you love it it makes you as bad as it is, it just makes you feel good inside if you grew up at a, you know in a certain era. 
Yeah, for sure. And it's it's one of the best remakes because they've also show, shown a new angle on it, like that whole Marchio being a dick. Daniel-san probably at least takes part of the blame for that thing. He, he takes maybe 30% of the blame for the beef and maybe Johnny should have let it go. But Daniel-san, not an innocent party, certainly not a hero, at best an anti-hero. I just love like how they've blown this up in their, in their world. They've blown up this, like this boys karate tournament into such a big deal to the point that Ralph Macchio has a series of car dealerships all based around how, when he was 16, he won a karate tournament, a local karate tournament for children. But come on, I thought that was one of the most realistic things out there because wasn't Las Vegas the home of that one guy that used to have a, a three-hour nightly nightly show where he would chop prices on his car? Wasn't he nicknamed Chopper as a used car dealer? Chopper, yeah. Chopper, sure. Yeah. Chopper Ford, yeah. <laughs> I can remember seeing that when I was in Vegas, and, and that blew my mind. It wasn't like it was a 10-minute a advertisement. It was like a three-hour program that had no, he employees. Had, he had a show. Yeah. He had a show. Yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> I, I feel um, like they nailed the used car part, and I, I think that was a perfect um, success story for Daniel Sutton. I, I think if he had have become anything more successful than that, we wouldn't have bought into it. And if he had have just right. been a regular businessman, where, where's where's the sort of success or payoff from every, everything he went through as a, as a young 24-year-old? No, who would have cared? You're exactly right. Could you believe um, that Machio, when he was playing Daniel San in the original Karate Kid, was 24? Was he really? He was. I didn't. I didn't know that. Oh my god, that's a, that's that's somehow more embarrassing. I don't, I, that's tough. Um. So, oh, all right. Listen, I, I only because I, I, you know, in true Brian and Tony fashion, we've just been uh, sitting here like. Uh, gabbing for almost an hour. Uh, there's something that I, I, going back to originally our ages and medical issues, there is something that I wanted to talk about. Have you, Tony, at this age, been to a urologist yet? I have not. That, thankfully, is at least, hopefully, another six to 18 months away. I had never been to a urologist before. And uh, knock on wood of everything that's breaking down. I, uh, my dick still works. Um, in fact, I know it's going to stop working because I get emails <laughs> about it every day, uh, but it hasn't stopped working yet. And in a weird way, I'm looking forward to at least a little bit of a decline because quite frankly, like at 42, I got three kids. I've been with the same woman for a while. Like my dick doesn't need to be this, <laughs> like uh, as big a part of my life as it is anymore. You know what I mean? Like if it could just show up maybe two or three times a week, like that would be great. Most of those would be for me, quite (laughs) frankly, but like, that's all I need out of it. Like I don't need, I don't need it to be on the ready at all times anymore. It's just, it's just not the life I live. Um, But um, I went to a urologist because I was thinking about getting a vasectomy right? It's, it's enough already with the children. I don't, I don't need to worry about it. Um, big joke around the house is my wife is not on birth control. Okay. And hasn't been ever since we've been together. Hence these children. (laughs) Uh, 
and we tried condoms and she pulled the, like, I didn't even have a chance to be like, I don't like condoms. She didn't like them. So we have essentially existed for the past, you know, four years since our youngest daughter has been born, relying solely on me to pull out in time. If you know anything about me is like, I am not responsible enough for that. Like, this is such a huge burden to carry to be solely responsible for making sure that you don't make another person. So we, we finally decided, all right, enough's enough. So the first step is to go to your uh, urologist and get an examination. Now, like I said, I had never been, so I go and, uh, it was, Obviously, this is this guy's job. Like, all he does is deal with fucking balls all day long. Um, so it's not a big deal to him. It's an incredibly big deal to me, right? Like, I've, I, I've never had anybody, like, handle them. So, You've like, never I had have anybody to pull put my... one under disc lamp? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, like, he's like, he, he real casually, he's like, all right, you know, get up and just, you know, just stand here, pull your pants off not even thinking like I had gotten dressed that day and I had, had, uh, I had boxers with donuts on them. <laughs> like I had donut boxers on to meet the urologist. So like I have to pull down my pants. I'm wearing donut boxers. Well, in all honesty, those down. that's probably better than what I thought you might've been wearing. I thought you might've been going the superhero route and you might've had some Spider-Man or some Batman boxers on. Oh, thankfully, uh, thankfully not. But I, I don't have, like, again, I'm, a, I'm over 40. Like, I don't have a lot of boxers with stuff on them. Most of them are just plain. That's, that's why I was thinking. I was thinking maybe you got them as a Father's Day gift because who, as a grown adult, buys themselves novelty boxes? And I did. I, I got them as a gift, and I, and I wore them. But I, of all the times to wear them to the urologist. So I get there. So I'm standing up. He's sitting down on the little rolly stool that doctors have and he's just handling my balls and his, and his face is right there like it's he was thank god that we're in a in a in a world where everyone has to wear a mask otherwise it would have really looked and felt like he was about to blow me um so he's just down there for a super long time and he's touching them and he's touching them and he's talking to me and i'm just like bro we gotta wrap this up you know what i mean uh so it, it, it's a very uncomfortable thing, but the, my favorite part of that, of that particular uh, meeting was on the wall when I was waiting for him to come in. You know, one of the big reasons people go to doctors is for uh, erectile dysfunction. Um, and so on the wall, there's all of these different like advertisements like, hey, if you, know, if you have erectile dysfunction, you know, don't worry, there's options for you, right? And so they talk about like, now, whatever medication that you can take and this and that, but one of, this is so great. One of the options is, and it's a severe one, but if you need it, there is a penile implant, which, and I swear this is true. They put, I don't know exactly what it is they put like in your penis, but it's some kind of like a, uh, a, a, Something that can be pumped with full of air, okay? And then the pump for it is in your balls. So <laughs> do you remember back in the 90s? I know where you're going the, with this. D Brown with the with the pump. Reebok. With the fucking the, the Reebok pumps. 
Absolutely. You reach down and you, and you pump the little half basketball on the tongue. And it, everyone was like, holy shit, they have that. But for your dick, they put a little, they put a little pump in your sack and you reach down and you literally, you pump it and it fills up your penis and it makes your dick hard. And I'm like, I got to be honest with you. Like, even though I don't have erectile dysfunction, I, I don't have like a, I don't have like a lot of, uh, what I like to call locker room dick. You know what I mean? Like my boner's fine, but I don't have a lot just like just hanging around. So I wouldn't mind having that in there just to give myself just a little more confidence. You know what I mean? Like just, you know, I'd pump it up to like 30%. Just give myself a little bit more of a handful just when I'm walking around. If I'm getting out of the shower, I don't have to feel insecure about it. If you're so, in some sweatpants. I've been some sweatpants, weirdly, you know, sweatpants with no underwear has never been a problem for me. I know uh, how that story ends. But he, he, I, I understand where you're coming from, but what you're not remembering about those shoes is by the second time you wear them, that pump is broken. So I'm just wondering whether the same thing happens with your balls. Maybe. And also, if we're being honest, the pump didn't do anything. Like, it was... <laughs> Like, it was really cool that he pumps him up and then he fucking dunked in the dunk contest. But I'm pretty sure he could have dunked anyway between you and me. Like, I don't think the shoes did it. Like, he pumped it up and suddenly he could dunk. Uh, I think he just sold a bunch of shoes that way. You mean a little Regardless. bit of air in the tongue didn't help him jump high? You, you're telling That's me that saying. if I didn't get those shoes or if I got those shoes, I wouldn't have been a better basketball player? That doesn't make sense to me. Surely that well, would have worked. I don't want to be the one to, to break that news to you. Anyway, so we, uh, so I end up getting the vasectomy. Now, here's, uh, there's a couple of interesting things here. First off, normally it's an in-office procedure. So you go in, they, they shoot your nuts up with like a, a needle, a local anesthetic, they call it. And they make a couple of slits. They go in, they burn the, uh, the vas deferens closed. They like solder them. I don't know what the term is, uh, but and then, and then they just, you know, stitch you up and you're out the door. That's about a 10, 10, 20 minute procedure. And you're awake the whole time. But to go along with how my body is just a giant mess, uh, my vas deferens are in weird places. They're not uniform. What do you mean? One was, you know, one's in, the in your thigh or, or one's in your chest? Not quite, but one is one is in the normal spot, which is like under the ball sack. And then the other one was like much higher, almost like right under my dick. And so the doctor, of course, is perplexed. That's one of the reasons he's down there as long as he is. He's trying to figure it all out. And he's like, he's like, I gotta be honest with you, I actually think it's better if we put you under. Because if we do like a local and, you know, we open you up and, and it ends up being a little bit more complicated, you know, it's not like we can then backtrack, <laughs> like, you know, and it's, it's, it, we're already there. So he's like, so I really think we need to just put you out. And at first I was like, well, this is embarrassing. And it's also just seems like a huge pain in the ass. Like I literally had to go to the hospital into an op, like an operating room. It was what's usually a 10 or 20 minute thing ended up being like a three and a half hour thing. And I'm here to tell you, if you have the option, do it the full fucking surgery. Cause it was the best. <laughs> like I hadn't been put under anesthesia 
since I got my kidney out when I was seven years old. And uh, this one was great because like I went, they rolled me into the operating room. I was completely conscious. I, I had nothing. I was completely aware. And like, you know, they, they give me the anesthesia and I'm like, and I'm in my head. I'm like, am I just going to fall asleep? Am I going to know what's happening? And then all of a sudden, like I felt this warmth fall over me and this like heaviness on my chest. And like, my last thought is, are all you guys going to see my dick? And then I just <laughs> fell asleep. And then I woke up feeling the most refreshed I have felt since I had children and it was just done. So it ended up like I, my first thought was like, this is a nightmare. I can't believe I have to do this. And then afterwards I'm like, everybody should do it this way. It's so much better. So anyway, I, uh, uh, I will say this, like I just, I just did this two weeks ago. It was, like, it was a birthday gift essentially to myself. Um, and I, and I just started feeling good. Like right now I'm, I'm back to normal. Uh, I will say for anybody out there thinking about doing this, uh, you're going to think it's like, you're going to think you feel better after a couple of days. <laughs> just stick with the ice packs and the, uh, the tidy whiteies. That was the most uncomfortable thing. You have Ooh, to go into some tidy whiteies. Really? Yeah. Cause like uh, gravity is not your friend, especially oh, at this age. Your no. balls are really yanking down. So you need all the support you can get. Of course. Yeah. So stick with it. Cause I gave, I gave up on it after about three days cause I felt fine. And then that probably extended my recovery by a week because I, uh, I, I ended up being in so much pain that I had to start the whole thing over again. So I literally just like this week, started feeling normal in the uh in the ball region so my next step is in a couple of weeks i have to go back to the urologist he's gonna fucking fondle me again for a while uh and then he's gonna give me two specimen cups and i have to jerk off <laughs> at home i don't have to do it there i have to jerk off at home and then deliver it to them to for testing because you're not fully you know, they don't give you the, 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 the thumbs up until you have two negative tests. So I have to go there and pick up my two empty containers. And of course, being me, like the only thing I can think of is how horrendous I'm going to feel walking into the clinic with a bag of my own jizz and handing it to like the 22 year old lady who works at the desk being like, here you go. Like, I know you do this all the time, but you're looking me in the eye and like, you know what this is, and you know how it got there. So let's just, let's just move on. Well, you know, you've got a brown paper bag, that shit to take it in. Oh yeah. My yeah, question is, time. do you go and get one from like a muffin store? So when people see you hop out of the car, they think you're delivering muffins to the receptionist or do you just bite the bullet and just charge across the parking lot or this is a plus of COVID, uh, the fact that there probably won't be as many people around other than this 22-year-old receptionist who you had no shot with anyway. So what's the big deal? I'm not even, and it's not even like I'm looking, but it's just one of those things. Well, what's the other option, Tony? I just walk in there with a clear plastic tub of cum and be like, here you go, here. <laughs> oh, no need to... Oh, did you need to get a glove or something? Yeah, here, no, just take it. Like, 
obviously I've got to put it into some kind of a bag and I, I'm not going to go buy a special bag. So there's a good chance it's going to be a plastic grocery bag. I mean, if we're really being honest here, I'm not going to buy a special bag for this, but, um, anyway, so that's, that's my life at 42. Now everybody is caught up who might've been wondering. Now my question about this is, do you wish you had it, had have done it four years ago after the birth of your third child? hundred <laughs> percent. Um, because, uh, like I said, it, not to get into my sex life or anything, but it's, it's stressful to always be in the back of your mind. Like you can't fully be in the moment when in the back of your mind, like you're always thinking about how you have to be aware. You have to get out of there in time. Um, you know, it's, it's, that's a stressful thing to have on your mind when you're trying to have sex. On top of that, there's an added thing that I don't think everybody understands, but there have been many times over those four years where uh, I will be having sex and it's just starting to get like, you know, she's really just starting to feel it. She's getting in that zone and good things are happening. And then I'm like, well, I'm glad you've been enjoying it up to this point, <laughs> but I got to get the fuck out. And then she's mad at me because like she was really having a nice time. And then I had to put an end to it as though the trade-off was we make another person. Like, I'm very sorry, uh, you know, that, uh, that, that, that it didn't happen for you, but listen, there was only two options <laughs> and uh, I picked the one that didn't result in another human being that we're responsible for, for 18 years. So uh, I absolutely wish I had gotten it done earlier, but uh, I'm happy that it's done now. If you're a guy and you're thinking about it, it's, it's worth it. It's not a big deal. Hopefully uh, you have insurance before, before uh, our president uh, cuts off your insurance without any plan to uh, replace it. And, uh, and they cover it. Uh, get it, get it done, and go ahead and treat yourself, and go under anesthetic. <laughs> it's so good, so good. And do you think um, this decision to have this done was sped up or confirmed by the fact that you've now been in at least partial lockdown for almost six months? Oh yeah, big time. So that was always the thing. <clears throat> My uh, even though we were pretty sure we didn't want any more. Children, my wife is the kind of person that just doesn't like to be told she can't have something, right? So the second we're like, yeah, well, we can't have any more kids. My fear was she's going to want one. And then God forbid, and then she's got to go find another guy that, that, that gives her one. So I just didn't need that. So I always, you know, I was, I was willing to keep the option alive on the table. But I will say, yeah, being in lockdown, uh, she really... Like, uh, once, once she decided, yeah, I'm good. Like she made the appointments. She's like, you need to go, you need to fucking get this done now. And, uh, and, and that was, that's how we knew the whole thing was good. Although I do have this fear that like, uh, just like the danger was part of it for her. <laughs> like she needs, she needs a little bit of danger. She needs, like maybe that was why why it worked for her. And so I, I do have a fear that, uh, that now it's not going to be as interesting because we're not going to have that fear. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to start choking. Or something. <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to be updated. I really do. 
And I, I think we'll have you back on the show to update you, update our whole audience at some point. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, available. <laughs> um, where can people find you if they want to get in contact with you after your sparkling performance? I mean, listen, come on. Uh, there's, I'm not doing a lot. I've, uh, I've, I've, uh, I'm doing stand-up. I was doing stand-up about twice a month, but then stand-up stopped becoming a job that existed. So uh, I, uh, I, I don't even do much of that. But uh, I'm, I'm out there, uh, you know, in, in the social media world, Brian Malika, Brian M. Comedy. You can find me if you really want to, um, and uh, I'll let you know if something happens. But uh, honestly, it's, uh, it's not that great. So what's your social media platform of choice? Like we've all got Facebook accounts, that doesn't count. But are you a still on the Twitter? Are you an Instagrammer, or are you, are you onto the TikToks? Oh no, I I, I will not. I, I've also that's another thing that happened in my forties. I I refuse to learn any new things. So uh, I I don't know anything about TikTok. Uh, I uh, I'm not involved in Snapchat. Is that still don't a thing? even bother. I don't know, but don't, if, if it is or it isn't, it doesn't matter to me because it was never a thing. <laughs> uh, so don't, don't bother. Uh, if, uh, it depends on what you, what you're looking for. If, uh, if I, I don't use social media a lot every now and then when I do stand up, when stand up exists, I'll promote a show. But again, it's, it's, it's nothing okay. major these days. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. That's basically the only thing I do on Twitter is basically yell at uh, Donald Trump Jr. Who's my least favorite person. Uh, uh, in the world currently, really? Uh, that's about all. I, yeah, I, I hate Don. I hate Don Jr. I hate him more than the president. I, yeah. I just, I, I but more than Don, Eric. Donald Trump Jr. More than uh, more Eric. Eric. Wow. Eric is like a slow. Eric's like a slow person. You can't be that upset with him. Like he doesn't know everything that's <laughs> happening. Uh, but Don Don Jr. is my least favorite person. Basically, once two times a week, I'll just uh, I'll go on like a weird Twitter rant where I yell at him doesn't read it but it makes me feel better um facebook i do almost nothing every now and then i'll post something uh if i think it's uh, if i think of a funny joke i'll post it there and uh on uh instagram i'll either post uh pictures of my kids sometimes if i'm feeling sentimental or like uh, I'll, I'll post a picture and then like try and do like a burn on my wife if like i think she's being ridiculous that's it though like i, I don't i don't have a whole lot going on you're welcome to message me. I, I still like hearing from people, but uh, don't just don't expect anything. Okay. Right? I'm not – no expectation. Well, you can find us on Instagram at Beer Engine Pod. Um, you can find me on Untapped. I'm St. Moz on Untapped. Brian, do you have an Untapped account? Of course you don't. Um, no, you can, I'm not – no. You, you can find the show at beerengineshow.com and you can also find our email there because I don't know what our email is off the top of my head. But you can certainly email us. We enjoy emails. And if you want to sue us, we encourage you to use email to pursue that line. Um, we're willing to be sued. DJ Kellard, uh, now Eric Chump because he's not the worst of the sons. Don Jr., you can sue us. We're happy to be sued by Don Jr. I'm sure Brian would be willing to be a part of that court case. I will show up in court 100%. Oh, please. Please do. Because you get the double bonus of two train wrecks. You get Don Jr. and you get his attorney slash wife slash girlfriend. I'm not sure which she is these days. Loves to shout into a void. Kimberly Guilfoyle. She's she's a real prize. Oh, I can't uh, I can't wait.
Yeah, no, that would be that would be my favorite thing. I would love to, I would love to meet him in person. That would be a that would be a wonderful day for me to meet Don Jr. in person. <laughs> and so today was a great show, uh, Brian. Any last words? I should be leaving this shit to the host. You've done this enough times. To uh, I'm sorry. Show. What are you? T- are you are you taking over? Oh. Uh, no, I I don't. I do appreciate you having me on. I uh, I do miss uh, chatting with you, uh, and I do miss uh, chatting to to folks on the internet. But I don't miss it enough to want to do it three times a week ever again. <laughs> Who wants to do it three times a week? You madman? Never, never. <laughs>